Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 turn to romans chapter 8 if you will romans chapter 8 as we continue through the word of god Uh, romans chapter 8 is viewed by many preachers and scholars as one of the most glorious chapters in all of the scriptures. I think I mentioned that last week. I said that if your Bible is to fall open, Donald Gray Barnhouse said this, if your Bible was to fall to the ground and fall open, Romans chapter 8 should be the place it should land on. Because we find so much encouragement, as you saw in the first 17 verses of chapter 8 last week, we found so much encouragement, especially for us as Christians when we live in this life we are going to suffer. Jesus said it. It's not a surprise to us. shouldn't be a surprise to us. Many people think that, hey, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'll never go through this or I'll never go through that. And we shouldn't be saying that. We should be expecting some sort of suffering in our life, especially when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes to proclaiming His Word, when it comes to living out our faith, We need to understand that people are going to blow back on that. People will not accept the message. They didn't in Jesus' day. He went to the cross for it, for bringing the truth. Same with all the disciples. Intense persecution took place. But what we see here in chapter 8 is this glorious encouragement in the midst of suffering. In the midst of suffering. We know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned 19 times in just this one chapter, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the power to continue to move forward, the the power to live out our lives for God, the power to receive encouragement from the Lord. And so when I see people walk away from the Lord, oftentimes it's due to suffering. And Jesus even said this in his parable, The Seed and the Sower, He talked about there's those who believe for a while, but then when persecution and tribulation hit, they fall away. And we see that many times that people just can't reconcile this idea of suffering and God. They just can't buy into that with their hearts, and and they believe that maybe they've done something wrong with God. They believe that maybe their suffering is due to some past sin way back when, and they try and pinpoint the reason for suffering. And the truth of the matter is, is that we suffer because of sin. Sometimes it's our own personal choices that we make decisions that bring this suffering in our own lives by ourselves. There's also suffering that comes from Satan, as we saw 
in the life of Job, it was Satan that attacked his family, attacked his health and everything else, although God gave him permission to do that, which is the encouragement for you and I today. God knows what we're made of. There's also just the fallout from living in this fallen world. When a nuclear blast takes place, the fallout takes everybody. So we live in the fallout of Adam's sin and Genesis chapter 3 when that took place and as a result of that we will face suffering in this life now does God heal absolutely does God channel his blessings in the midst of the suffering world absolutely and that's why chapter 8 is so encouraging to me in so many ways and so the question is it worth it is suffering worth it is suffering worth the Christian life? Some, we're suffering through temptation. We give up certain things. We strive to be holy and we don't live the way the world does in the entertainment of this world and the satisfactions and pleasures and lusts of this world. We choose to suffer through temptations. We choose to suffer through giving of our finances. We give to other organizations. We give to missionaries. We give to the church. We know what God's plan and agenda is here. We suffer sometimes the persecution, as I said, and the question always comes up, is it worth it? And Paul's answer is right there in verse 18 as we jump into this section. We see, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So Paul's answer, is it worth it? Absolutely is worth it because of our future. And so when I looked at this passage, when I read to the end of the chapter, because we're going to get to the end of the chapter this morning, I promise you that. So we're going to go through it quite rapidly. We've only spent two weeks on chapter 8. We'll probably come back and dive down deeper in some significant theological truths that are embedded in here. But I've divided this chapter into two sections. I would say future anticipated that there's an anticipation for our future, and then the last half would be glory guaranteed. So we've got glory anticipated, our future glory anticipated, and we got our future glory guaranteed. Both of those key truths are embedded in these passages of Scripture, and I want you to see this this morning, because if you're suffering, if you're going through anything in your life today, I want you to catch what Paul is saying here. It's not by surprise and the good thing is God knows. We did a funeral service celebration of life. And yet during that service, I said, you know, God knows the numbers of hair on your head. Now, nobody takes inventory of hair. We color hair, we cut hair, but we don't count hair. But God does. That's how intimately he knows you. And these truths are meant to encourage us, give us helium in the balloon as we continue to move forward in the suffering of this world. So future glory anticipated verses 19 to 27. I want you to, to see this because this future glory that's anticipated comes by way of groanings. I think that's what highlights it. When we look at the groanings that are in this eighth chapter, there's this idea of the already and the not yet. In other words, the kingdom of God is already at hand. You've been incorporated into that, but the not yet is still down the road where the kingdom of God will culminate and all suffering will cease. And we're caught between times right now. We're born again. We belong to God, but we're still part of this present time. The present sufferings aren't to be compared with the future glory. So I want you to see 
these groanings. We got creation groans. We're going to see where believers groan, and we're going to see where the Holy Spirit groans when we look at this anticipation that we live in this world, but we're anticipating the future and this groaning that's created. Creation groans, verses 19 to 22. Just read that with me. If you've got your Bible, it says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him speaking of God who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So we've got the groanings of creation. We need to understand that sin just didn't affect mankind. That sin brought divine curse on the earth as well. It had a radical effect on the planet that we live in. Sin just didn't stay with humankind, the crown of God's creation, but it affected all of creation. That's what Paul is bringing out here. That creation groans because of that. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And to Adam, and this is divine judgment coming upon because of Adam's sin with God. And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Now, I'm not, that's not, you know, husbands, don't look at your wives. If you're sitting on the couch with them this morning and watching the service with them, don't turn over and look at them. See, I told you so. No, some of you husbands need to listen to your wife. Just when this situation and causing you to depart from the will of God, that's when you're supposed to say, I'm the spiritual leader, we're not going down that road. But you listen to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. He takes responsibility. Didn't matter if Eve ate first. In pain... You shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So we see that as Paul said here, creation was subjected to futility. What is brought out from the earth is going to be brought out in frustration. That's how the NIV would translate the word futility, and it would be translated in frustration. In frustration, it means that mankind is unable to bring creation to its intended purposes because of the fall. That's what it means. The earth that provides sustenance for mankind right now is under a curse. In pain you shall eat of it. Example would be trials in farming. We have to come up with pesticides. If you have a garden at home and you walk out one day and all of a sudden the garden's infested, you know, my tomatoes look beautiful the day before, but now they got a root disease. Well, this is part of the fallen world. Every time a garden goes south, you can be reminded that God pronounced judgment on creation at that time. Now, it's in the pains of childbirth until now. It's an interesting word that is used here because we know the pains of childbirth. Men don't, but women do. That's Thank God for epidurals, right, women? But back then they didn't have that. And so in pain, there's childbirth. And that's what's happening. The baby of the culmination of future glory, when things will be right again, when creation will be right again, when humankind will be right again, has not been birthed yet. We're in the pains of childbirth. And Jesus even used this word when he was speaking 
of the end times. He was asked specifically in Matthew 24, and he was asked about when will the end come, his disciples asked him. And he said, there's going to be these child pains, these birth pains that are going to happen. And he talked about pestilences or famines, and he talked about earthquakes that are happening. And that's why you see this order. That's why you see the tsunamis that will happen. That's why you see major earthquakes that will happen. I just saw in North Carolina, there was a 5.1 earthquake that hit this morning. It is the second. Now, for us here in California, that's like a tremor. But over there, that's a major, major earthquake. It was a 5.1, and that 5.1 earthquake was the second largest North Carolina ever had. The last one was in 1916. It was a 5.2. This was a 5.1. And when Jesus talked about the end times and the birth pains, he talked about these things intensifying. That all through history, these things have existed, but towards the end, and as we move towards the end, they're going to only intensify. They're only going to get more severe and more severe because creation is headed for corruption. That's why I think it's one of the biggest arguments against evolution. In an evolutionist mind, we only get better and better. Creation speaks that things only get worse and worse, and the heart only gets worse and worse and worse of mankind. It's going to deteriorate to where it gets like to the days of Noah. So we need to understand that this creation is part of what we live in that is so far from the perfected order that God created and it has a devastating effect in the area of natural disasters in the area of bringing forth food for the planet it has so many devastating areas and isaiah describes the earth is mourning in human terms in verse 4 of chapter 24 of isaiah it says the earth mourns and withers the world languishes and withers the highest people of the earth languish and so there's this description in scripture of the earth and how it languishes and jeremiah chapter 12 verse 4 it says how long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither for the evil of those who dwell in the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end so we see that the earth mourns the earth languishes and i heard the groanings today as i read that article i heard the groanings of creation every time i see an earthquake every time i see something that's a natural disaster a tornado or something that devastates a town i'm thinking man creation is groaning but here's the cool thing if you read that passage again it says that he who subjected it subjected it in hope and we know that in the midst of judgment way back in the garden in genesis chapter 3 that god made this promise I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first prophecy of Jesus Christ coming into this world. And when the Messiah comes the second time, when the Messiah comes the second time, he's going to make everything right, and that includes creation. So as sure as Isaiah would defined earth in human terms as languishing or jeremiah defined it in in human terms as mourning that there's going to be joy from creation that comes out and we see that in psalm chapter 65 
verses 12 to 13, it says, The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks, and the valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Isn't that a beautiful? Imagine that. Look what that says, Isaiah 55, 12. This is on the end times too. This is at the culmination of the kingdom. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. I want to tell you, Julie Andrews was not the one in the sound of music that came up with that idea of the hills are alive in singing, right? I think that's the way it goes. I've seen it enough times with my wife, of course. She'll straighten me out afterwards. But the hills, right, shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. All of creation is going to be redeemed, you guys. There's going to be no more of what you see today because of the Messiah. A good read for you would be Genesis chapter 1 through 3, and then read Revelation chapter 21 to 22 today. The last two chapters of the Bible, first three chapters of the Bible. And you'll see there's the tree of life that they're cut off from in Genesis 3. But in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, you're going to see access back to the tree of life. Man, what a glorious truth. Okay, so creation groans. There's an anticipation that's coming. But believers also groan. Believers also groan, right? Look at verse 23 and read through verse 25 with me. It says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience we've received the spirit of adoption that again the already and not yet you're already a child of god if you've come to christ you've you've got the spirit of adoption but that adoption will not fully be realized because we're still trapped in this body of sin this body that decays but we are waiting the redemption of our bodies speaks of our glorified bodies that are no longer prone to sin isn't that going to be glorious? That the sin that you struggle with here, the things that you contend with, and you all know, uh, you all know, man, the Holy Spirit is so good at pointing those things out in our lives. We groan because we aren't redeemed yet. We groan because we know what we're supposed to be, but we haven't hit that yet. Yeah, we get glimpses of glory when it breaks out of us, but we know that we're not what we're supposed to be until we finally see him. And that's what 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. The first fruits were the first part of the crop. If the first fruits of the crop were bad, the whole crop is bad. But if the first fruits of the crop were good, then we know that the rest of the crop is good. You and I have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit right now. That's why you see glory breaking out in your life. That's why you get glimpses of glory. And that's why your wife will sometimes say, man, where did that come from? My husband, he's right on, you know, he's changing. Because we have the first fruits 
of the Spirit. And so we still fight that flesh, right? And in Galatians 5, it contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. And so every time we love the way we're supposed to love, every time we, we forgive the way we're supposed to forgive, every time we give the way we're supposed to give, every time we show gentleness, every time we show kindness, every time we show those attributes of God, that means that you have the first fruits of the Spirit, and that's just a shadow of what's yet to come. You're not going to fall short anymore. I promise you there's a time as you suffer through this world and sometimes you say, I didn't suffer too well. Well, there's a good news to it. You will. You'll be done with that. Your body is done. We wait as adopted children for the culmination of that. We wait for our bodies to be redeemed from the decay and we get a glimpse of what's ahead right now because we have the first fruits of the Spirit. And we're waiting eagerly, he says. Paul says we wait eagerly for our full redemption. This word for eagerly was used of waiting eagerly or expectantly of some future event. It's like, man, if we understand this truth, how can we not wait eagerly for it? Like a kid that's eagerly waiting for Christmas morning to come. There's the Christmas tree and the, the presents have been around there for a couple weeks. And every morning they get up and every morning they walk by there. They know they're one day closer. They know they're one day closer to that morning where they can just open up those presents and everything else. That There's that eagerness. It's like somebody who's graduating college that they've worked hard, they've, they've completed their last class, and now they're eagerly waiting to walk across the platform to get their diploma because they did it. They're eagerly waiting for that, to make it official. It's like a woman, a bride, anticipating her wedding day. She's picked out her dress, the flower coordinators have all been incorporated the wedding reception everything's been planned everything is there and now she's eagerly waiting for that day she walks through those doors and it's official and no matter what's happening out there friends listen to me we should be eager about waiting when's the last time you thought about even that truth. Man, this world is temporal and I know I'm getting a glorified body. I know this body is going to be redeemed. We need to think about those things, right? Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. And hope, of course, is the wind in the believer's sails. That's what verses 24 and 25 bring out. We hope in those things that we don't see. We trust God's Word. And hope is the wind in the sails that brings the ship to destination. It's the very wind in our sails that we live. We were saved, Paul said, in this hope, but we continue in this hope. He says that hope that is seen is not seen. You know, like Thomas doubting Thomas. Oh, let me see the, the wounds in his side and feel the wounds in his hand. And then I'll believe. No, no, no. We know God's Word is steadfast and we live in hope. We live in hope today that hope that is seen is not any hope at all. 
And that is one of the virtues that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, now abide hope, faith, and love. Love, hope, and faith. I forget how he orders it. But the greatest of these will be love. The one that will endure is love. There is a time where we're not living in hope and we're not living in faith. You know, and that's the beauty of hope, is it not? I mean, what if I bought my wife a Ferrari for Christmas? If I bought her a Ferrari, a new car, say, for Christmas, well, first of all, you'd think I'm embezzling money from the church. If I bought her a Volkswagen for Christmas, you know, she needed a new car. So I bring her out and I say, honey, here's your Christmas present. And she goes, wow, I hope I get a new car. That isn't hope at all. Hope is the very thing that allows us to have patience. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977